Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Every year, anywhere from 100 to 300 migrant workers come to Northumberland to work on about 23 local farms. They arrive from Mexico, Central America, and the Caribbean. They supply a labor force to do many of the hard physical jobs, like picking fruit and vegetables. And for those who follow their work, these people are essential to our local economy. Migrant workers are wrapping up their season. So it was a good opportunity to check in with Daniel Casada, the community outreach officer for Horizons of Friendship. His job is to monitor migrant workers in Northumberland by talking to them, providing support services, and advocating for them while they are here. He will update us on how this year went in the face of a second season during the pandemic. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Daniel Casada, the Community Outreach Officer for Horizons of Friendship. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks for having me, Rob. To begin, can you bring us up to date on how this season went for migrant workers in Northumberland? Yeah, sure. So essentially, um, as folks might know, uh, here in Canada, we have something called the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. So uh, basically, there are certain jobs here in Canada, especially, uh, for example, in agriculture, where we just don't have enough Canadians that are available or, or, or want to work some of these uh, farmhand uh, labor jobs. So you can think of, for example, like on a farm, like on an apple farm, like there's not a lot of Canadians I might want to, you know, uh, prune apple trees, you know, and, and, and pick apples, uh, you know, all the way from, you know, March or April out to November. And so to meet this um, labor shortage, we basically, we have to bring in um, about over 40,000 workers every year from um, developing countries, primarily from, you know, Jamaica, Guatemala, Mexico, uh, to come to Canada to work on these uh, vegetable farms. And so basically here in Northumberland, you know, we're no exception. We're in Northumberland, we have, um, you know, a lot of uh, vegetable and apple farms. And so uh, farmers have to bring in migrant farm workers or temporary foreign workers to our community to work. Uh, and so basically what's been going on, you know, pre-COVID, you know, folks would come in, you know, March, April, May, and then they would stay all the way, you know, September, to October, maybe November, depending on having to clean, uh, having to clean up some, uh, you know, apple trees and such. Um, and so basically, um, you know, they would come in, uh, they would work, they would, they earn um, minimum wage or just maybe slightly over minimum wage. And then, uh, you know, they'd go home and, you know, rinse and repeat, they, you know, they're living, you know, the winter seasons back home, and then they're coming here for spring, summer, maybe a bit of the fall. Um, now with COVID, uh, it's, uh, it gets more complicated, right? Because it's a infectious disease. Um, you know, there are certain strains that are, uh, that are appearing around the world. Um, that are of concern, right? So basically, uh, what's been going on is, you know, migrant farm workers are still coming here because we still need to, you know, eat these fruits and vegetables, and we still need to produce and harvest and do all these things. Uh, so we still need uh, uh, farmhand labor, migrant farm workers. 
but you know we have to take some added precautions as a country, right? There was a mandatory quarantines for migrant farm workers arriving to uh, communities here in Canada. So uh, folks are, are arriving. Uh, to, you know, for example, Toronto Pearson International Airport, you're, they're being driven in like a quarantine style bus, you know, uh, to the community, or maybe their, their employer might pick them up depending on the on the farm. Uh, and then they're, they're placed in some sort of uh, quarantine. Um, uh, they're, they're placed in a quarantine here in, uh, in Northumberland anyway. And that could be something like, uh, you know, they might, the employer might have rented a hotel, maybe the employer has a trailer that they have them in, or maybe, um, you know, some of the employers also rent or own houses or apartments or, or, or things like that uh, to, to house the workers during their quarantine. And then, you know, because we're all trying to stay apart right now because of COVID, uh, it, it also means that now that the workers are here, you know, we can't, you know, socialize like we used to, right? We can't, you know, get together for dinner or for a lunch or, you know, go out and, you know, hang out and stuff like that. So it means a lot of, you know, staying at home, you know, those things that we've all been doing. Um, and it's a bit, uh, it's, it's a bit sad, right? I think we've all been a, a little bit uh, bummed out by this whole pandemic thing, but I mean, that's just what we've got to do to stay safe. So um, that's sort of uh, to, to answer your question, Rob, and to give a little bit of a primer, that's, that's what uh, migrant farm workers uh, have been sort of up to, I guess, during this, this pandemic so far. You've said a lot in there, and I'd, I'd like to start to now to unpack a bit of it. You mentioned some numbers. You mentioned 40,000 uh, migrant workers. That's here in Ontario. Do we know exactly how many migrant workers are hired in Northumberland County? Yeah, in Northumberland County. Um, so as far as we know, there are about 13 or 15 different farms here and all the way spanning from, you know, uh, you know, Port Hope or Wesleyville all the way as east as, you know, Brighton into Trenton and as far north as like Garden Hill or um, or um, or Welcome out uh, by Port Hope. Um, there's anywhere from depending on the year. Anywhere from 100 to 300 migrant farm workers will come to Northumberland. And that all, again, it all depends on what the uh, farmers here have planned for the year. Like if they have a big harvest plan or, you know, some some of these farms are very cyclical in how they, they, they produce or rotate crops during the years. So, you know, 2017, 2016, there were literally like 300 plus workers here. Uh, recently, it's been about 100, 125, maybe 150. Um, that's how many we usually get. You mentioned a lot about uh, the precautions that have been taken since COVID. Can you maybe compare that experience to this year? Yeah, so I, I think uh, comparing 2020, uh, like spring 2020 to spring 2021, it was a big difference. In that spring 2020, you know, when, when it first started, you know, that March, April, May, you know, that was really scary. That was a really scary time because we didn't know exactly what the exactly what the virus is all about you know how many people were dying you know we, we we were still trying to figure the whole thing out we were at some point in there we were still wondering like masks or no masks uh you know so uh, and then and now in the in the second spring so spring of 2021 uh you know we we had a better understanding of how this virus works you know how important it is to you know wear a mask even wear two masks double mask it up or even just, uh, you know, staying two meters apart, how important that is, the washing the hands, you know, all the different sort of precautions. And also for that spring of uh, 2021, you know, we were already underway here uh, uh, in Canada, at least, um, um, vaccinating our, our, our vaccinating folks and, and migrant workers fell under a, uh, you know, a vulnerable 
uh, as, as a vulnerable, vulnerable group. And so they were actually, uh, as some workers were coming in in March and April and May, some of them were actually already getting vaccinated either at, through a pilot project that was at uh, Toronto Pearson uh, Airport. They were getting vaccinated right at the airport as soon as they arrived, or they were getting vaccinated, you know, upon arrival, uh, you know, to their, to their, you know, the communities here in, in Northumberland or here in Ontario, sorry. Um, and so we, it's still been tough. Don't get me wrong. There are still outbreaks at farms across Canada on with migrant farm workers. Um, there are still, uh, you know, cases and stuff like that. Even here in Northumberland, there've been some workers who've gotten uh, cases, but they've been mostly asymptomatic, which is, you know, the best possible case of COVID you could get as, as far as I know. So uh, things have changed, I think, for, for the better, you know, as we, you know, we've been learning, um, you know, over and over all the different health precautions we can take. So, uh, you know, th I think things are slowly getting better, fortunately. Now, has there been any mandate that uh, the workers had to be fully vaccinated to, to uh, I know you said they, some of them were getting vaccinated as they were arriving. But uh, do we know just what percentage of the population is fully vaccinated that have been working in Northumberland? Um, I'm, as far as I know, um, like, I, like I would say at least 90% plus uh, of, of migrant farm workers would be vaccinated. There, there is a slight problem that, that, that has been going on in that some of the workers who came up this year were already vaccinated with uh, Sinovac, which is, as, as I've understood it, is a, a Chinese vaccine that's uh, being uh, um, distributed a lot in uh, Central America and Mexico. So workers are getting vaccinated um, in Mexico with Sinovac, but then when they come to Canada, that vaccine isn't recognized by Health Canada. So they're actually considered to be technically unvaccinated, but they are vaccinated because it's a, it's Sinovac and it's recognized by their home countries. So there's this whole, um, you know, we, we have, you know, um, as far as I've, I've learned about this, and I'm not a health expert, that, you know, we have, um, you know, uh, we have procedures in place for, you know, um, you know, mixing vaccines like uh, AstraZeneca with Moderna or, or any of the those approved brands here. But, you know, we, we've as far as I've seen, there are some workers who are here who are technically unvaccinated because they have Sinovac. And so, like, I think the, you know, the, the health units, not just North or the HKPR health unit, but the other health units across Ontario and probably Canada are probably sorting that out now what to do with the workers who have um unrecognized vaccines like are they vaccinated are they not vaccinated it seems to be that they're considered to be not vaccinated so they need to be revaccinated with one of the approved ones you know the Pfizer Moderna or AstraZeneca I think um, so that's but but fortunately the workers that I've spoken to here in Northumberland everybody's been uh, you know vaccinated you know they there have been uh, there's been a tremendous, you know, campaign here locally in Northumberland to get everybody vaccinated, not just migrant farm workers. And uh, it's been encouraging to see everybody go out and, and, and roll up their sleeves and, and get their shot. Now, you also mentioned that there there were some asymptomatic cases of COVID um, on uh, amongst the migrant workers. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more? Do we know how many cases there were and did you monitor that? No, like I, I don't know much about it. Like I just, I spoke to a couple of workers who said that when they arrived, they, they got tested and they, 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 they were, um, they had COVID and they were surprised that they have COVID because they didn't feel anything. Um, they were already vaccinated um, and they had COVID, but it was asymptomatic. They didn't feel anything. And so as far as I understand, they were just, you know, self-monitoring and, and they had some sort of uh, them and their, they and their employer had some sort of contact with the, with the local health unit. And, 
you know, after their quarantine, it, you know, they, they tested negative again and all was fine. Uh, and it wasn't declared an outbreak or anything like that, as far as I know. And so, you know, it all resolved itself in probably about the best way it could have. So uh, we're very, we're very uh, fortunate and, and grateful for that. Recently, in the past couple of months, there have been a number of news reports uh, that um, talk about the conditions for migrant workers in Ontario. And there continues to be media reports of poor housing conditions for migrant workers. And the Migrant Rights Network and the Farm Workers Working Group have described conditions uh, from insufficient access to toilets, uh, to cramped living conditions, even with the COVID, uh, calling it a, a modern day slavery. Can you describe for us, what are the conditions like in Northumberland and do they come in any proximity to those that are being described elsewhere? Yeah, so like, um, for example, those organizations like uh, that, that you'd mentioned, a lot of them work out in, in, in other parts of Ontario, like, uh, for example, Leamington or uh, Simcoe County, where there are farms where you, there, there are some farms in those regions where they have two, three, 400 workers at a farm and, and they're, and they're looking to, you know, maximize space, right? Whereas here in Northumberland, uh, from my perspective, there are like we had, like I mentioned earlier um, in this talk, where there are about 13 or 15 different uh, agricultural employers here that, that hire migrant farm workers. And, mo and it, it's very varied in terms of uh, what the uh, housing um, situations are. For a lot of them, it's, it's um, you know, for a lot of agricultural employers here, they only hire maybe two or three or four or five workers. Um, so, and, and in those cases, a lot of the times they, they literally just live in a regular house, a house that you and I are, might live on, or anybody here in Northumberland might rent. It's just a regular, you know, a uh, regular working home, um, you know, um, so, and then there are other larger employers here in the region who, who have, uh, different types of accommodations, you know, more sort of like bunkhouse style accommodations where, um, where they, where they've also, as far as I've understood, uh, implemented some sort of, um, like limited capacity, you know, putting, you know, maybe three or five workers per bunkhouse. Um, so we don't necessarily see that same sort of like egregious, um, I guess you could say like egregious, like, uh, you know, human rights concerns, uh, as you might see in other parts of Ontario. Like, does that mean it, it could be better? I mean, of course, I mean, I, I think they're, there, it would be, you know, it would be a goal to, for every migrant worker to have their own room, for example. I think that would be probably the best, uh, you know, um, probably the best, uh, you know, outcome possible is to everybody have their own room. That way you, you know, you have not only do you have uh, the ability to like quarantine, you know, by yourself and not around other people, but you have privacy, right? And I think as humans, we all, we all like privacy. And so I think that would be, you know, a, a long-term goal to work towards. Um, and, and so I, I think, I think there's plenty of room for us to, to improve going forward. But you do go out and you do check some of, some of these conditions and, and monitor this on an ongoing basis. Could you describe exactly what it is you do in that regard to sort of monitor the working conditions and, and uh, what it's like for these people to, to do their jobs? Yeah. So like a bit, a bit, just to sort of explain like what it is that Horizons of Friendship does. Um, so we have this uh, program and we call it the Migrant Worker Outreach Program. And the, the whole goal of our program is to support the health and legal status of migrant workers here in Northumberland County. So for the workers that arrive here, you know, we know that they have um, health concerns, just like anybody, right? Like 
whether it's, you know, mental health concerns or, you know, they have general aches and pains, you know, they hurt their knee or, you know, they, um, you know, they, they might have high blood pressure or diabetes, you know, or any ailment that any person would have, you know, we know that these are human beings that are, gonna, are coming to our community and that they're, they're going to have at some point, some sort of health concern. Um, and we also know that sometimes there are, are legal concerns as well, and, and that can manifest in, you know, maybe they have uh, questions about, you know, their taxes, maybe they have questions about their immigration status, they want to become permanent re residents. Um, we sort of provide this program um, to do outreach to these workers um, in, in our communities who oftentimes live on the fringe of our community and in, in, in the sense of, you know, they live uh, in very rural parts of our community, you know, they might not have uh, full time access to a vehicle. So we oftentimes like you, like you mentioned, uh, you know, we're doing outreach to these farms or to these uh, to their homes. Um, and, and talking to them and, you know, and, and saying, hey, you know, in our community, we have, you have access, you have OHIP, you have access to health services. You know, if you need to see a nurse practitioner, if you need to see a, a, a doctor, if you need to see, you know, any type of, um, you know, um, if you need any type of health service, we can help support you in achieving that, right? Um, and so, and also at the same time, we have a great uh, community resource, the Northumberland Community Legal Center that provides uh, free confidential uh, legal services to um, to underserved populations, including migrant farm workers. So we, we can provide, uh, you know, uh, we, referrals to different types of health uh, services, legal services, uh, and, and, and not, at the same time, we provide translation. So I speak Spanish. Uh, a lot of the workers that come here are, like I mentioned earlier, are from Mexico, from, uh, from Guatemala, so they speak Spanish. And so we can also provide that translation piece, which is key. Uh, because there's not many uh, Spanish speakers here in, in, in the region, right? Um, and so that's more or less what we do. And, and as part of that, we sometimes see, for example, like you mentioned, we'll, we'll see the living conditions and stuff like that. Um, now, that, that hasn't primarily been like one of the top concerns of, of migrant farm workers here. They're not necessarily concerned about, you know, their living conditions. And it's oftentimes, so the concerns they have are about, you know, their health, um, you know, um, they might have, like I mentioned, high blood pressure, diabetes, or general aches and pains. It's a very physical job that they do. So they, they're, they're always trying to learn more or, or find ways to, you know, um, support their bodies. Um, and then the other thing that we've noticed this year because of COVID and, and such is uh, a lot of farm workers are, 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 or some farm workers are experiencing, uh, you know, symptoms of depression or anxiety or panic disorder, uh, you know, as a, you know, as a result of, you know, staying home and, you know, less socialization and, you know, sort of being feeling stuck in this pandemic, you know, you, you sometimes have, you know, uh, bad thoughts and stuff like that. And so those are the more so the concerns and, and um, uh, that we see from migrant farm workers, as well as, you know, folks want to become permanent residents, they want to bring their families. So we try to uh, address some of those things at the same time. So uh, it's very varied what we do. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's a little, uh, a, a bit of a taste of, of what the, some of the issues we see. It's very interesting, Daniel, when you talk, because I know I've interviewed you before the we got into the pandemic. And uh, one of the things we used to talk quite a bit about was all the social gatherings that you would organize through Horizons. There was a spiritual aspect to it. I, I think you organized uh, church services, religious services for the various members. I mean, it was very rich in terms of, of, of supporting the, these workers uh, culturally and socially. Uh, during their time with us. So it, it's interesting when you talk about just how this is impacting them in this way. Are you able to offer anything? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, like it's um, the for the mental health aspect and, and some of the 
issues we've seen for around like uh specifically it's been around like anxiety and and panic disorder folks having panic attacks or really strong feelings of that nature um so around that um there are some resources uh provided through the different embassies and consulates um they provide the workers with um with a uh like a therapist or a counselor so we've actually we were we, we didn't know that was a service offered because frankly before covid we, we had never really seen migrant farm workers suffering from depression or anxiety not to say that it didn't exist it's just that's something we didn't see here but now uh, this last year, and especially this year, we've seen it flare up a lot more like the anxiety and, and, and depression and stuff like that. So we're sort of like learning as we go, oh, there are these like uh, therapists who offer uh, counseling services for free through the consulates and embassies, uh, and they speak Spanish. And so we've been making those referrals to them. You know, uh, we found out about that stuff and we can now offer it. Um, and then, um, you know, where we can, um, now that things are, are more open now in, you know, ever since we've gotten vaccinated, I would say around August, September, we've actually been able to receive more work, more, more of the migrant workers here in our office on, on Covert Street. Uh, we're very fortunate to have our office there on downtown Coburg because a lot of the a lot of the migrant farm workers actually come down uh, into town once a week, normally on Tuesdays or Thursdays. They'll park in that big parking lot there in Covert Street. You know, they'll go down to the buy and sell, or they could go down to the banks that are right right there on King Street. And then they also pop into Horizons, and we offer as well um, some care packages for them to take home with uh, you know essential food items and uh, you know rice beans and, and canned proteins, you know tuna fish or you know uh, vegetable oil, and we we'll, we'll give stuff uh, out to them. Um, and so basically, you know, they'll come in and, and it, even though it's a short, you know, you know, 10, 15, 20 minute meeting with them, like, or, you know, not, it's not a formal meeting. We don't sit down and, and, you know, you know, tell me about your concerns, but it's just a, a general, like they can come into our office, we can talk to them and it's a bit more like normal. And that's more or less what we're able to provide at this point, uh, at this point in terms of socialization, socialize, socialization, sorry. And we've been looking into, uh, you know, can we do some sort of dinner again? Can we do some sort of picnic? Um, and it's a, it gets a bit complicated in terms of uh, outdoor gatherings and things like that, uh, especially from workers from different farms. And we don't, we're not necessarily sure what the vaccination status of some folks are. Like I'd mentioned that whole Cinevac thing earlier. Uh, that was sort of a, a curveball that was thrown at us in terms of, oh, we thought everybody was vaccinated, but not technically. Uh, you know, where does that all stand? And it's just a it's and it's it's it kind of gets kind of complicated um and so but it's something we're looking at um potentially for for next year you know right now we're in october uh what are we october 4th uh, at some point we're going to see um hopefully things return to even more back to normal we'll, we'll have uh hopefully no more lockdowns and things like that and 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 we'll be able to maybe next year in the spring or, or summer we'll be able to have some sort of gathering probably outdoors maybe a barbecue uh, so we're we're definitely planning for stuff like that for next year. For some of the listeners that may not have heard you talk before, can you describe the kinds of life these people live uh, in terms of what they leave behind, what they bring with them, and and some of some of those uh, dynamics that we don't often talk about because there there is this aspect of they're they're not really part of our community and yet economically they are critical to our community. Sure. Yeah. So like, um, I'm thinking right now, um, of a worker who's here right now in Northumberland County. Uh, he's from Mexico. Let's just say his name is, uh, Jose and Jose, he's like, 
he's like 28 years old. He's a young, uh, you know, he's a, he's a young adult, I guess you could say at 28. Or, um, and so he's back home. He has a wife and and two kids. And, and this is his probably first or this is his second year, year coming to, uh, to Canada to work. And so basically what he's doing is every every April, he's taking a flight um, from Mexico City. You know, he lives in a rural part of Mexico and he has to travel maybe, you know, three or four hours uh, by bus all the way to Mexico City. Uh, when he gets there, he has to do a, a COVID test and all that stuff. He's getting on that flight, coming to Canada, providing proof of that COVID test. And, you know, as he's... Uh, you know, as he's uh, arriving to Canada, you know, he, we, we mentioned he's doing his two week quarantine back home. Uh, he has a wife, you know, two daughters, uh, an entire family that really is depending on him to come here and make, uh, you know, this money to, to make, uh, you know, minimum wage or, or slightly above minimum wage. I don't remember how much that is now, maybe around $15 an hour. And that $15 an hour that he makes here working, you know, 40 or 45 hours a week on a local farm, he's probably, he's trying to save as much of that money as possible. Uh, so that means, you know, eating probably the cheapest food you can get here, you know, rice, beans, um, uh, you know, uh, tortillas and stuff like that, you know, trying to, you know, trying to save as much money so that he can send as much money uh, um, home as possible so that he can send his daughters to school. He can, you know, pay for their rent or, or for their mortgage back home, um, you know, saving up enough money maybe to, uh, to maybe start a business in the future back home in, in Mexico, right? Maybe it could be buying a taxi and then, you know, running a ta taxi in the future or, or, potentially saving up enough money to, you know, build a, a store, you know, a, a variety store or a general store so that, you, you know, he could have a source of income from his, for his family in the future. Um, and that's sort of like uh, every year he's going to be coming here probably for the next, if I had to guess, you know, 15, 20, 30 years, barring, you know, any, some sort of illness or, or injury uh, in the future, he'll be coming here every year, um, leaving his family uh, behind, you know, six months of the year, anywhere from four to six months of the year, uh, leaving his family behind and coming here because frankly, the, the, the money he's earning here, that $15 an hour, um, you know, is equivalent to what uh, potentially a nurse or, a, or even maybe even a doctor back home would make uh, that kind of money. Right. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for a migrant farm worker to come here and work. It's almost like winning the lottery, frankly. Uh, you know, there are, as far as I've understood, there are thousands or tens of thousands of people back in Mexico and Guatemala and even Jamaica who apply for these jobs and only a few of them will get it. Right. So it's a tremendous opportunity and it's, it's something that people, uh, these workers, you know, don't take for granted uh, and they come here and all they want to do, they want to work, they want to make money and they, they, they want to go home back to their families. Um, and that's, that's essentially like in a nutshell, the, the life of a, of a migrant worker. We've talked a lot about what goes on locally, but there are huge issues as we've alluded to in this conversation what is Horizons doing in a broader context in terms of advocacy around migrant workers, uh, just not in Northumberland, but uh, across Ontario and across Canada? Well, the first one would be uh, opportunities like this. Like when we get a chance, when, when, when we're able to, we want, we want to be able to speak about, you know, what, what we see from our perspective, what we're seeing on the ground. 
Um, and that starts with interviews like this one and, and getting the word out and making people aware because a lot of people, they, they, they don't know, or, uh, you know, that frankly, that migrant workers are, are in our community or how many, or why it's important and all those kinds of things and what some of the issues might be. So that's the first one. And, and, and in the past we've done, um, number we've been we participated in, in in a number of campaigns including the 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 migrant uh what's it called the, i think it was uh the name of the top this uh looting at the top of my uh, in, in my brain right now uh the my it was the migrant dreams caravan i believe it was called uh that was hosted by justice for migrant workers an advocacy organization uh that you know advocates for for justice for migrant workers um and that the entire um the, the campaign actually, which was called the Harvesting Freedom Campaign, now that I remember it correctly, um, it was all about advocating for permanent uh, residency status for migrant farm workers. So that's something we're very much, uh, that's something I very much think it would be uh, tremendous for a lot of these workers. A lot of these workers would love to come live here in Canada, um, not just for the six months that they're here, but even potentially bring their family, uh, you know, uh, here to Canada and, and, and set up uh, you know, a life here rather than this, you know, transitory lifestyle of, you know, being here for, you know, four or five months and then going back home, you know, having the opportunity to build a, a life here would be tremendous for a lot of these workers. And as far as I've understood it, um, it would also give these workers a, a, a more freedom here in, um, as, as migrant workers in this country. Uh, they would have a, a, an easier time, you know, trans, um, uh, finding a new employer or, you know, being able to have more freedom here in terms of uh, living conditions. They could potentially even, you know, rent an apartment uh, for more longer term and things like of that nature. So in terms of what uh, what we would advocate for, again, is just to, to keep uh, raising awareness about the issues that migrant workers face and, and raising uh, awareness about this program that we have, the Migrant Worker Outreach Program. And then when we can, when there are these um, advocacy campaigns going on, for example, like the Harvesting Freedom campaign, uh, getting involved in those and, 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 and Horizons bringing its voice to, to the table about our experiences, um, you know, over, we've been doing this program for almost 15, 20 years. Uh, it was going on well before I, I was here. Uh, you know, and I think it's important for for us to to have our, our voice at the table as well. So those are just some of the things that we do. If you were to leave listeners with some thoughts uh, as we end this season and as the workers head back to their homes, what would you like them to be thinking about and reflecting on? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think. I think. Um, the thing the thing i would think about is i think we all need to have a bit more uh compassion for each other not and not just for migrant farm workers but i think all, everybody i think we need a bit more kindness and compassion um as as a as a as a society as a as a community um to think about not just in ourselves and what we do but maybe thinking about our neighbors i think um you know i think we should be more caring i think that's uh part of it i think that um you know yeah, I think that would be the, would be the the, the piece I, I would I would bring up. There's some more uh, compassion, more caring, thinking about our neighbors, thinking about those peoples who are underserved or underprivileged in our communities, um, and 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 looking for ways or, or finding organizations that support those people and supporting those organizations and supporting those people that are trying to make a change uh, on the ground. Um, and and so that that's that's what I would um, that's that's sort of what I would be I would be thinking about. Daniel Caseda, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. 
That was my interview with Daniel Caseda, community outreach worker for Horizons of Friendship. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.